0: The COVID-19 pandemic has proven to be effective at exacerbating existing issues for vulnerable and marginalized communities all over the world. Over the last year, as resources, socializing, and education have moved online, the Inuit community in Nunavut continue to experience significant levels of exclusion from these online resources due to poor internet connectivity. This issue presents opportunities, such as increased strategic influence for other countries to capitalize on in the Arctic region namely China and the technological giant Huawei. Today, I am joined by Hilary Lawson, a first-year Master of Global Affairs student at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy, and a feature contributor for Indigenous Issues at Global Conversations, the student-led multimedia journal. Hilary is a settler of English descent, living on the traditional territories of the Erie, Neutral, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississaugas. She holds a bachelor's degree in conflict studies and human rights from the University of
1: Ottawa. You're listening to Global Conversations.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Headlines, everyone. For this segment, I'm your host, Regina Robbins Codera. And today, I'm pleased to extend a warm welcome to Hilary Lawson.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this issue. I'm really looking forward to having your piece published as well for Global Conversations. Um, It's a really important topic and uh, we're looking forward to to hearing a bit more of your thoughts on, you know, why you wrote the piece and some of your thoughts on it outside of it as well. Uh, So we'll get started with the first question. A lot of the focus on the COVID-19 pandemic has been on urban centres due to high volumes of population density, COVID-19 infections, and vaccine provision. Yet an increasingly concerning issue exacerbated by the pandemic is its deepening of the digital divide. Uh, You even mentioned in your article that there is a connectivity gap between Nineveh and the rest of Canada. Why do you think there's been so little attention to the inaccessibility of internet connection in rural areas such as Nineveh?
1: Um, Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I mean, across the country, a lot of indigenous communities are seriously lacking in infrastructure. I think um, probably the most well-known example is, uh, water infrastructure, but um, you know, many communities um, lack hospitals or good housing um, and safe water and wastewater. So the gap isn't something that's exclusive to internet infrastructure. Um, I think in part, it it's because of the remoteness of a lot of um, indigenous communities, but there are also communities that are uh, pretty close to urban centers that have bad internet. So, Like, just as an example, I live in Hamilton and people who live on Six Nations, um, which is the biggest reserve in Canada um, and is about like a half hour drive away from Hamilton, often talk about having a bad uh, Internet connection. Um, And I think, like, uh, when the government created reserves, and this doesn't necessarily apply to Inuit because um, Inuit don't live on reserve, but... um, a lot of indigenous communities were moved to less desirable lands that were often removed from or um, like a much smaller portion of their traditional territories. Um, And uh, as a result of colonization, a lot of um, indigenous communities were excluded from the kind of huge um, infrastructure development that we saw in the 20th century for other communities in Canada. Um, And so, Communities now are still struggling to catch up um, to that development, and uh, I think, like ultimately, it comes down to a historical and current um, legacy of colonialism, where governments of all levels um, have have failed to fulfill the uh, the rights of indigenous peoples um, and their obligations towards them uh, that are outlined in the constitution. Um, and the federal government has acknowledged the gap um, in Nunavut and elsewhere, um, and they've acknowledged their role and responsibility in closing it, but it, it continues to exist. Um, and I, I think uh, for Nunavut specifically, um, you know, the federal government gives funding to all provinces and territories, um, but the North is often overlooked. Um, and, and current funding uh, doesn't really take into account the size of the infrastructure gap, Um, and the geographical reality of the 25 separate communities in Nunavut, Um, yeah. That's a really interesting point. And I think, um, I I also
0: think that there's not a lot of information disseminated about um, the remoteness of of Nunavut in general um, and how these communities Mm -hmm. don't all live together. They're very spread out. And so the needs of each of those communities Um, despite the fact that they might be under the umbrella of Inuit, um, are also going to be different and are also going to vary based on where they are and their remoteness. Um, Yeah, so I I think it's really interesting that you also mentioned about um, the government's acknowledgement, because a part of the second kind of sub-question was, you know, to what extent is this a continuation of Canada's colonial legacy? Um, And I'm kind of curious to hear um, if you could unpack that a little bit for our listeners.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, for Indigenous peoples writ large, um, like, with with First Nations, for example, uh, the Indian Act, um, when it was created, uh, which, again, doesn't apply to Inuit um, specifically, uh, but the Indian Act created um, a huge bureaucratic infrastructure, um, which was basically designed to manage every element of Indigenous people's lives um, with the ultimate goal of like extinction via assimilation, essentially. Um, and I think to this day, for First Nations, um, this kind of huge administrative burden makes it a challenge um, for First Nations and communities to do things like incentivize um, our regular telecommunications companies to invest in infrastructure on reserve. Um, and then again, like the kind of historical uh, neglect of the needs of um, Inuit communities in the north, um, really set those communities back um, so far that, uh, like, they're still they're still struggling to catch up. Um, and it's that I think ultimately it's that legacy that. Um, is a huge barrier for those communities today with all different types of civil infrastructure. Yeah, that's a great point. So on the
0: topic of um, telecommunications infrastructure, uh, I think we can all agree that, especially over the last year, the internet has become an increasingly critical element in all of our lives, uh, where we rely on it for things big and small and often take the services it provides us for granted. Uh, So What would the benefits of improved Internet connectivity be for the uh, Nunavut Inuit um, from an economic um, standpoint to increased well-being, in your opinion?
1: I mean, I think they'd be largely similar to the benefits that other Canadians see from the Internet, Um, like the ability to find community online or meet up with your friends um, or attend school or work remotely. Um, especially in a pandemic. I mean, Nunavut's had a bit of a different experience. I think their first case of COVID was only in November, which is pretty amazing um, that they have been able to have such a handle on it. But um, I mean, I think, yeah, like just having access to internet is um, arguably uh, increasingly a basic service. Um, And as much of the world moves work and school and socializing online um i think that uh having improved internet is going to be increasingly key um for for people who live in the north and i think the effects of of having an improved internet are uh would likely be amplified in nunavut because they're so i mean we've talked about how um geographically disparate the 25 communities are, but like they're hours and hours away from each other. Um, None of the communities have road access, so you have to fly in between them. Um, And so like the ability of someone who lives in one of those communities to do online banking or access health services, I mean, it would just be like vastly improved uh, if you could access that through a reliable internet connection, um, as opposed to having to travel to another community or having to travel to a community in the south to do that. And then I think you also raised
0: um, a point in your article about you know access to mental health services um, and also representation. Um, how the the MP for for that area has an increasingly difficult time even being able to represent those communities due to the fact that they have to travel such long distances to have stable internet connection. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that in terms of not even just being able to access basic resources, um, but also, you know, being able to self-determine their their own legitimacy and also have representation at the federal level.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the pandemic for... All the destruction it's caused has um, catalyzed some pretty major leaps forward in uh, digitization of certain workplaces and services, and um, I feel that we're moving towards a future where, um, even after the pandemic is over, and and for the large part, handled, um, I think we're going to see increasingly that these services will be delivered online. Um, and like the idea that someone might be able to, to access mental health services um, through like a video conference um, could be potentially life-changing for someone who, you know, otherwise doesn't have access to those services um, in their home community and doesn't want to travel south to access those services or travel to a different community. Um, And I think like when we're talking about, you know, self-determination and political engagement and representation, um, like if if we take self-determination to mean building a future for Inuit on their homelands um, across the north, then like the infrastructure gap means that Every aspect of life um, that involves working towards that future is made harder, um, you know, by the fact that everything in Nunavut's more expensive. Um, there are poor health and education outcomes, um, and there's a r- report that I read when I was researching for the article um, by Nunavut Tunngavik, which is uh, it's an organization that um, represents. The thirty-three, I think it's thirty-three thousand Inuit um, who live in uh, Nunavut um, in exercising uh, their rights under the Nunavut Land Claims Agreement, um, and they had talked about how improved internet access um, could be a key tool for uh, cultivating Inuit self-determination in the way that um, you know having access to people uh, and socializing spaces in other communities can really um, help capacity and connection building and resource sharing among communities. Um, So like, for example, uh, Inuit rights-based organizations could communicate with um, other governments and participate in discussions um, about Nunavut's future and its development. Um, And also like online spaces are really key for for artists. Um, And uh, people in Inuit communities uh, to share Inuit languages um, and arts and culture. And so I think like the internet could be a really important space for that type of organizing to happen. Um, and so, yeah, like just allowing uh, and, and creating those spaces um, and creating better access to those spaces could really move that project of self-determination forward.
0: Absolutely. Well, that comes to the end of our segment. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to share your thoughts, Hillary, And for listeners, um, if you haven't had a chance to already, please do read Hillary's piece on connectivity in Nunavut. Uh, the feature for Global Conversations also has a whole host of other articles to, to read. So please feel free to, to stay tuned for the rest of the segments and, and check out Global Conversations. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much, Regina. No problem. <laughs>